If you deal thus with me, kill me, I pray, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. And so you have something like Elijah experienced. Moses calls upon God to kill him out of hand. And yet, these two men appeared unto God of glory upon the mountain of transfiguration. And so you have a broken heart, someone that is just discouraged, someone that is sad. Now, what is about to happen here is a visitor came. And if you turn now into uh, Exodus chapter 18, God sends a visitor. And his name was Jethro. And Jethro appears on, on chapter 18 of Exodus to speak to Moses. It was an interesting visit. Uh, Jethro, priest of Midian. Now, notice that he's the priest of the, uh, the Midian desert. <coughs> Not, notice that he's the priest of the Midian desert where they're about to go. So, Jethro comes in. He is Moses' father-in-law. Heard all that God had done for Moses. And for Israel, his people. And that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Number, number two. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, and her two sons, of which the name of one was Gershom. And he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. Okay. Before Moses went into Egypt... He took his two sons, which is Eliezer and Gershon, and gave to Jethro to take care of them. So now the two sons of Moses, which must have been a very uh, great meeting to Moses to see his sons, came and Jethro begins to speak and her two sons, which the name of one was Gershon, for he said, I have been an alien in a strange land. In the name of the other was Eliezer, for God of my father said he was my help, and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. And Jethro, mother Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife, Zipporah, unto Moses in the wilderness, where he encamped at the mount of God. And so, concerning the fact of this visit by Jethro, it's an interesting commentary in my Bible. It simply says uh, that if you if you understand someone's hurt, someone's need, God begins to find a way to appease a man's heart. In every situation, God will never leave His servant alone, never abandons His servant. Would you believe that? And yeah, yeah. I, I when uh, when you when we were reading this. Um, one of the things that came to me was when um, Jesus was standing with going to feed the 5,000 and Philip came up and the Lord asked him to do something that he didn't have the capacity to do and he didn't understand what God could do. And in this situation here, it's the same thing. Moses doesn't have the capacity to deal with all of these people and the situation and he's got to understand that the Lord's got a plan to help him do it. Yeah, just as about Israel is about to leave Sinai, 
and uh, entering to the wilderness of Paran. That was the first stop. It was the third month after leaving Egypt that Israel reached the mount, the mountain of the law. It was the eleventh month later that Jethro came to bring Moses, his wife, and the children. So this is a very interesting meeting. You're talking about Moses complaining to God about the people requiring more meat, requiring this and requiring that. They're not happy. And he said unto Moses, this is now Jethro speaking, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am come unto you and your wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and kissed him. And they came each other of their welfare, and they came unto the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake. So right off, Jethro begins to say what God has done for Israel, what God has done to help Moses, what God has done to bless him. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done for unto Pharaoh and to Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them, the plagues, and the hand of God upon Pharaoh, a lot, asking them to let my people go. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and all the Egyptians for Israel's sake. And Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done for Israel, whom he had delivered unto the hands of the Egyptians. Verse 10. And, and Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now, I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Now, that's an interesting thing on this verse, uh, verse 11 of chapter 18 of Exodus, that what uh, Jethro says is really striking, for I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. For now I know that the Lord is greater. So perhaps there was a doubt in Jethro that other gods should be dealt with. The church today is struggling because the idea that there are other gods, that the gods of the Egyptians, the god of the Muhammad, the other gods of other religions, other gods in, in 300 of them in in India alone, are perhaps have any power whatsoever. That it's not really good to just have one God. You got to have many. You have to be a polytheistic person to understand other gods. The church speaks of that at this very moment. Pastors take objects of worship of other gods to the pulpit. The idea simply is this, to make sure that we respect others that have other gods so they can like us, so we can begin a dialogue. Well, you see, you offend the Lord when you do that because the plurality of gods is not in the plan of God for, it, for salvation. The cross stands alone. Would you tell me about that? 
Andy. In verse 12. Yeah, verse 11. Verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the one thing wherein they dealt proudly, He was above them. The element that I would see is that as all of these things began to happen and the things that they were the most concerned about, they were able to see, that, and Jethro was able to see this, that God was above all of them because of the way He delivered them. Yes. Now, what is a verse that comes to mind about the centrality of the cross? That Jesus is the Son of God, died on the cross. Would you, would you, would you have a verse in mind every time that you speak well, about it? Well, I would simply go to uh, John 14, knowing the cross. I'd go to John 14, and you could look anywhere from John 14 all the way through... Uh, John 17, and you could see Jesus in his own words outlining how he is so much greater than everything that's going on around him. That would be the way that I would, if I would pick a centrality of the gospel, I would tell somebody to go to John 14 and listen to the things that he says. Yes. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, Believe for the works that he's doing. He's doing a lot of things. Okay, we're, we're talking about Jethro's consciousness. Is there an attempt to destroy the cross these days? Yes. By yes. whom? Who are, who are the predators here? Who are the people who do that? Well, of course, the world does it, but then pastors that don't really understand. Every single seminary questions the centrality of the cross. Our seminaries, especially United Methodist seminaries, the result of that rebelliousness into the hands of the Israelites is that what was supposed to be an 11-day trip turned out to be 40 years, and 95% of all of them died in the desert in the 40 years in the desert of Midian. Now, the church has totally split these days. The United Methodist now is not anymore. They united to the other gods in order to appease and appease. Look, when Jesus cried and said, He who believes in me, he who believes in me, believes not on me, but on him who sent me. The absolute necessity of believing in Christ as God manifested in the flesh, and therefore the Savior of mankind, which was through the cross, is essential. You, you can't have two gods, three gods or four gods. And so Jethro is in the desert talking to Moses, and he's simply saying, uh, I, I declare my belief. In other words, I'm reading, For in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. Now I know, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. The faith of Jethro increased when he saw what God did with Moses in, in, in delivering the people of God by sending plagues upon the Egyptians, especially the angel of death, which we commemorate as the Passover. Passover, when the blood is on the doorpost. You see, the question is, 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 is the centrality of the cross. And he who sees me Seize him who sent me. I come a light. I am come a light unto the world. 
And whosoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. And whosoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. And if any man hears my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Not Virgin Mary. Not Muhammad. He is not, in other words, the Catholic Church is so, that is so deeply involved into the worship of Mary that Jesus Christ is forgotten in most Catholic churches in Brazil. And I say to you that what is happening to the United Methodist Church is a division <coughs> to replace the cross. Notice that in all these United Methodist churches where the liberal pastors now take over, the cross is going to be removed out of the sanctuary because it will become offensive. Now, I'm speaking to several of these of you who are pastors. And you must understand this struggle. What do you say about that, Andy? Well, the uh, I've told people and I've talked to you before about it and other people. I'm Methodist, but I'm just not necessarily United Methodist because of the fact they don't make the gospel... They don't make the Word of God the central purpose of what they do. God's Word is the guideline, not necessarily uh, the way they feel about things. Yes. Look, look at Jesus saying, He who rejects me and receives not my words has one who judges him. In the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. That will be a judgment for the United Methodist Church rejecting the cross. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me and gave me a commandment that I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His commandment is everlasting life. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. You can't deny this. You can't put this in second degree of understanding and put it under the table. And so when you look at... Uh, Jethro, on the 18th chapter of Exodus, speaking to Moses, he is convicted what God has done. He confesses Jehovah as greater than other gods. Still, it seems to me that he clings to the belief that other gods existed. Here's one of the problems that and that you're talking about, and I think a lot of it, pointed back to that it was in where the Lord said nevertheless even of the rulers many believed in him because of the Pharisees they were not confessing because they were afraid they'd be excommunicated from the church for the love the approval of men rather than the approval of God that's part of the problem that we've got now uh, is why the church is split okay now what Jethro does here is very interesting Moses' father-in-law took a burnt offering in a sacrifice in sacrifices for God. And Aaron came. And all the elders of Israel came. Now there's become a big meeting. It started with uh, the two sons of Moses and, and his wife, Zip, Zipporah, and Jethro. And now it turns out to be that Aaron comes in. And the elders of Israel comes in. And there's something happening. To eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. 
Notice that eat bread. What the people wanted is meat. And so Moses begins to receive from Jethro the advice. It came to pass in tomorrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and people stood by Moses from the morning until evening. Meaning what? The strength in what really Jethro did caused Moses to take his place. It came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. Meaning complaints. Two by two, three by two. And they kept on coming. And the people stood by Moses from the morning to the evening. All day long, Moses seemed to come alive. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that you do to the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand by you from the morning to the evening? Moses, for this particular time, succumbed to the temptation of the flesh to rely on weak arm of the flesh. He listened to man instead of God. The problem persists to us even to this hour. You want to listen to man instead of listening to God. And Moses said unto the father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. I'm supposed to respond. And when they have a matter, they come unto me. And I judge them between one and another. And I, I do make them know the statutes and, and the laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that you do is no good. You will surely wear out. In other words... What, Mo, what Jethro is saying to Moses, empower the people to represent God. Empower the elders to represent God. Delegate. Delegate authority. Yep. And of course, you know, I don't know what that is, which verse it is, but it's pretty much in here. And uh, let them judge the people at all seasons. It shall be that every great matter shall bring unto you, but in small matters they shall judge. In other words, who, who this cow belongs to? Well, it's supposed to be me. I have a mark on it. He says it's his because uh, 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 this and that. And, he, and so that let somebody judge that type of thing. But every man, every small matter shall they judge. <laughs> so shall it be easier for yourself that shall bear the burden with you. Some ask, could not God use such a jetter to give advice and counsel? God can use anything. He has been using Jethro. He would first all have to relate this unto Moses. So what do you think, Andy? Is the advice of Jethro to Moses a good advice? Sure. He can't. Um, first of all, it's not all Moses' responsibility. God has God's put him in charge, and he needs to put the people around him that will enable him to hear from God and let them hear from the people. So are we, are we safely to say that the main local church system today depends on the past entirely, completely, to decide on everything? Um, probably. Yeah, probably. They'll either form a committee to do it or else he'll... They form a committee. They'll form a committee. That's what Methodists do. <laughs> There's a in, other words, in other words, they... they I live in a, uh, a situation here where I live now where there's a, a, a committee that decides about to do with my bird bath. I have a bird bath I want to put outside and put some water to look at the birds as I sit on my sofa. I want to see the birds eat and drink water. And they're having a meeting about it. <laughs> Amen. 
And that, that one of the topics of that meeting is, should we allow Mr. Bonfim to have his bird bath? Yes! Let me have my bird Absolutely. bath. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Let me, let, me, uh, let me finish here. You shall, shall do this thing, and God commands you so. Then you shall be able to endure, and all the people shall also go to their place in peace. And Moses hearkened unto the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. Moses complained of the burden, and the burden was speedily removed. But with it, how the high honor of being allowed to carry it. I'd say that there are circumstances of spiritual nature that the pastor should empower and decide because there is spiritual nature. But who runs the, the kitchen is not my responsibility. Who, 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 who uh, does the parking is not my responsibility. The, the, the carpet committee is not your responsibility The either. carpet. The carpet committee is not your responsibility okay. either. But spiritual responsibility has to do with baptism, has to do with communion, has to do with counseling, has to do with deliverance, has to do with healing, has to do with empowerment of the laity. You know, our, our ministry started 50 years ago on this concept, empower the laity. Empower the laity so they will be able to do the work of the Lord, which is bring the lost unto Christ. You know, any, any organization that is worth its salt will do this, whether you're in the military. You can't have one guy and he handles all of the duties of, you know, he can't do this. And he, Same thing in business. You, you don't see the CEO yes. sweeping the floors yes. and doing other things. They delegate that, and that's yes. exactly what the... God's getting Jethro to do here yeah. for Moses. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten thousands. There was no flesh power introduced. It was the same spirit, whether in one or many. There was no more value or virtue in the flesh of many men in the flesh of one man. The anointing that Moses had was not taken from him, but spread out. And so I say to you that uh, struggling today with leadership, empower your people. Renew them. Lay hands on them. Pray for them. And teach them how to do a good job. And they judge all the people all seasons. And all, the hard causes they brought unto Moses. But every small matter, they judged themselves. And Moses let the father-in-law depart. He went his way into his own land. There's a distinct possibility that the rebellion of Korah came out of these men devised plans. In other words, when you distribute the authority... You allow them to decide something that you should not decide. Meaning, if, 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 the, if those in charge of thousands or ten thousands do not respond to what you're trying to say, problems can arise. Well, so good to look at this, so good to speak about this, because it is important in the life of the church today, Andy. I want to thank you for joining me this morning. You know, when, when the other thing I was thinking about when you're talking about this, Moses has to have confidence 
that these are the right people because if he doesn't, he'll start trying to micromanage them and he'll end up that, that this guy over here, there were 70 judges, say judge number 31 makes a decision he doesn't like, he'll go get involved in it. He has to trust that God puts the right people in there yes. and then let them do their job. Yes. I want to finish with uh, what Moses did. We have two minutes. Look at this. And the Lord said unto Moses, And the Lord said unto Moses, And the Lord said unto Moses, If you don't quite understand Jethro's visit, then look at uh, verse 16 of chapter 11 of Numbers. And the Lord said unto Moses, And the Lord said unto Moses. What it means, Andy? It means uh, pay attention. The Lord said unto Moses. In other words, I don't know how you feel about Jethro's visit, but the Lord said unto Moses. Got it? The Lord spoke, and he said, and he said uh, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people. Choose carefully. Don't put people there that are not an elder and officers over them. These were chosen by God. The Lord would, cho would choose the 70 men. Not, and not by Jethro. It is believed that the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of Israel, originated with the 70 elders. Bring them into the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with you. <laughs> it's yet to be big. In other words, <laughs> In other words, we're going to bring people, but I'm going to choose. God says, I'm going to choose the 70. Now, can that happen today in the local church? Can, can a minister of the gospel that is sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit be able to do that? Yes. Amen? They can. Absolutely. And bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, and they may stand there with you. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, uh, I know I don't have much time, but let me read the last verse here real quick. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is upon you, Moses, and I'll put it upon them, that they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you bear it not alone, yourself alone. Ain't God good? Ain't God good? Amen. Ain't God so good? He just came to help the struggling patriarch in the midst of the desert and told him, here are the 70 men you can trust. I'm put the same spirit that is in you is upon them. <laughs> in other words, there will be no problem because the spirit of Moses will be resting upon the 70 men. God, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, I thank you, Father that you've given us the ability to manage the people of God by empowering those who are sufficiently able and qualified to carry on the work of the cross. I praise you, God, that I'm not alone, that there is Cindy, there is Jason, there is John, there is uh, 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 Andy, there is uh, Emily, God. Also, there is uh, Kathy, and there is Randall, and there is... Uh, Jason. Jason, all the people in the kitchen, all the leaders that are in the church, and you're sending Marcelo now to be with us. God, I thank you, Lord, that the Spirit is upon me, but rest upon them for the work of the ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.